1: Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, September 23rd, 2022. Coming up this hour.
2: Stocks fall around the world as higher rates fuel fears of a slowing global economy.
1: Goldman Sachs slashes its forecast for the S&P 500. Oil's
2: on track for its fourth straight weekly decline.
1: And Credit Suisse shares slumped to a record
3: low. We'll tell you why. Officials believe several deaths at a Manhattan nursing home are from Legionnaire's disease. Plus referendums begin today in Russian-occupied Ukraine. Cities. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead.
4: And I'm Scott Sadenberg. The chase for 61 will have to wait another day. All that and more coming up in sports. That's all
5: straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app.
2: Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris.
1: I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 24 points. Dow futures down 163. NASDAQ futures are lower by 90 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 132nd, yield 3.71%. Yield on the two-year, 4.15%. British pound at 1.1191 against the dollar. Amy.
2: Nathan, it is all about the markets this morning. The S&P 500 is on track for a second straight weekly loss. Yesterday it closed at the level lowest level since June. Ten-year Treasury yields trading near its highest level in a decade. Two-year rate climbed for 11 straight sessions. Ryan Dietrich is Chief Market Strategist at the Carson Group.
6: September's the worst month of the year, when you're weak heading into it, like down fifteen percent for the year like we were this year. Septembers are really, really rough and can be dicey, so sure the Fed matters we're not ignoring that. but the stage was set honestly for some for some potential weakness.
2: Carson Group chief market strategist Ryan Dietrich says the S&P 500 is just 2.5% above the low set back in June.
1: And there could be more pain ahead, Amy. One Wall Street firm is saying the selling is still not over. Let's get that story from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo.
2: Goldman Sachs is slashing its year-end target for the S&P 500 index to 3,600 from 4,300. That implies a 4.2% drop from yesterday's close. Goldman says a dramatic shift in the outlook for interest rates moving higher will weigh on valuations for equities. The higher interest rate scenario in Goldman's valuation model supports a price earnings multiple of 15 times compared with 18 times previously. Goldman said the risks to its latest forecast are are still skewed to the downside because of the rising odds of recession, a scenario that would reduce corporate earnings and widen the yield gap. However, the bank strategists say a year-end rally to 4,300 is possible if inflation shows clear signs of easing. In New York, Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thank you, Lisa. Meantime, cash is king. Bank of America strategists say investors are flocking to cash and shunning almost every other asset class as they turn the most pessimistic since the global financial crisis. The bank says cash had inflows of $30 billion this week, while global global equity funds saw outflows of $7.8 billion.
1: Yeah, we saw more losses overnight in Asia. Amy, stocks in Hong Kong led the declines. Let's get the latest from Bloomberg's Juliette Sally in Singapore
0: the MSCI Asia-Pacific Index posted its sixth weekly decline, the longest streak since May. Equities were down Friday in Hong Kong, China, Australia and South Korea. Japan was
3: closed for a holiday. Aussie bond yield spiked, the two-year up by as much as 28 basis points, the highest since April 2012. And the offshore yuan continued to hold past seven to the dollar, despite the PBOC setting a stronger yuan fix for a record 22nd day. In Singapore, Juliette Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: Thanks, Juliet. The sell-off is also continuing in Europe, where the region is poised for another weekly loss for stocks. Let's get those details live with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts in London. Good morning, Ewan.
7: Good morning, Karen and Nathan. European stocks declining today at the end of a week that made very clear that central banks are not done yet. Europe's stocks is 100 now down one percentage point with energy shares leading losses. Adding to that decline, not for the first time, Credit Suisse shares slumping to a record low today. That's after the troubled Swiss bank was forced to deny a report that it's considering exiting the US market. And banking also in focus in the UK government's mini budget today. The cap on bankers' bonuses inherited from the European Union is to be scrapped. A planned increase in corporation tax also to be scrapped. And the top rate of income tax, that is going as well. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank
1: you. Higher interest rates around the world have oil on track for a fourth weekly decline. Crude remains on track for its first quarterly loss in more than two years as concerns about a global economic slowdown weigh on demand. Checking prices now. NYMEX crude is down 2.2% or 85, at $81.64 a barrel. Brent is down 2% at
2: $88.69. But those losses for oil may be short-lived, some of Wall Street's biggest banks see crude rebounding in the fourth quarter. JP Morgan Chase is forecasting Brent crude at $101 a barrel the final 3 months of the year, Goldman Sachs targeting $125. Brent is trading around $90 today. Analysts say low inventories and sustained demand will keep prices elevated despite concerns of a global slowdown.
1: All right, let's turn to corporate news now. Amy, Boeing is in focus this morning. The Companies agreed to settle an SEC investigation into safety issues on its 737 MAX planes. Let's
8: get the details from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Boeing has agreed to pay $200 million to settle SEC allegations that the company and former CEO Dennis Mullenberg failed to disclose issues with the 737 MAX jetliner. Mullenberg will pay $1 million as part of the agreement. Regulators say Boeing and Mullenberg did not reveal safety problems with the 737 MAX, which was involved in two crashes that killed 346 people. The twin tragedies prompted one of the longest groundings in aviation history. Boeing previously paid a $243 million fine as part of a $2.5 billion settlement with the U.S. Justice Department to end a criminal investigation. That was in January of 2021. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: All right. Thank you, Jeff. FedEx cutting costs and increasing its rates. The giant package carrier is looking for as much as $2.7 billion in savings to deal with flowing demand and a tight labor market. Last week, FedEx shares suffered their worst one day in 40 years after the company pointed out worsening economic conditions.
1: Now, Futures are worsening this morning, Amy, with S&P futures down 25 points now. Dow futures down 175. NASDAQ futures are lower by 98 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.
2: Thank you, Nathan. 507 on Wall Street. Now we bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world.
3: Thank you very much, Amy. New York City's health officials believe five people have died in a Manhattan nursing home of Legionnaire's disease. The outbreak over the past year took place at the Amsterdam nursing home in Morningside Heights. Authorities say four deaths have been confirmed to be connected to the Legionnaire's disease. Officials are investigating the fifth death. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is being sued by a state lawmaker for allegedly wasting hundreds of thousands of dollars in state funds fly dozens of Venezuelan migrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts in what critics have called a political stunt that tricked vulnerable immigrants. Florida State Democratic Senator Jason Pizzo from Miami also asked the court to stop DeSantis from transporting any more migrants to other states. Meanwhile, DeSantis says about $10,000 paid to an aviation company to fly migrants to Delaware has not been put to use. He was vague, though, about payments for sending migrants north.
6: The policy is we want to voluntarily transport away from Florida so that we don't have to bear the cost and that there's a vendor that is doing that uh, for us.
3: Governor DeSantis made his comments at a news conference in Miami-Dade. Voting has begun in Moscow held regions of Ukraine on referendums to become part of Russia. Ukraine and the West have denounced them as shams without any legal force. The referendums follow President Vladimir Putin's order of a partial mobilization that could gather about 300,000 Russian troops to the fight. Former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine William Taylor says Putin is looking for a way out of the war now that Ukrainian advances have made peace talks less likely. He's running out of soldiers. He
4: thinks by instituting this draft or this call-up, he may be able to replace these soldiers that he's losing day after day on on the battlefield. Former
3: Ambassador Taylor spoke to ABC. NASA plans to slam a small, harmless asteroid as an experiment. A spacecraft named DART will zero in on the asteroid Monday and 10 on slamming it head-on at 14,000 miles per hour. Scientists say the impact should be just enough to nudge the asteroid into a slightly tighter orbit around its companion space rock. NASA scientist Tom Statler.
8: At the end of the day, the real question is, how effectively did we move the asteroid, and can this technique of kinetic impact be used in the future if we ever needed to?
3: NASA's Tom Statler says the asteroid is about 6.8 million miles away. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Amy.
2: All right, thank you, Michael. 510 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update with Scott Seidenberg.
4: Good morning, Amy. Yankees fans will have to wait another day before seeing Aaron Judge hit home run number 61. Judge went 0 for 2 last night with three walks and a strikeout. But the Yanks got the win, 5-4 over the Red Sox in 10 innings on Josh Donaldson's fourth walk-off hit of the season. It's the Yankees' 16th walk-off win. That's one shy for the most walk-off wins in a single season in Yankees franchise history. Here was Donaldson after the game. You know, it's happened a couple of times this year, so, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, disappoint. With the win, the Yankees officially clinch a postseason spot, and Aaron Boone becomes the first manager to reach the postseason in each of his first five seasons. The Yankees have a seven-and-a-half game lead in the AL East over the Toronto Blue Jays. NBA news. The Boston Celtics have suspended head coach Ime Udoka for the upcoming season. The team citing violations of team policies in its announcement. Assistant coach Joe Mazzulla takes over in the interim. Week three of the NFL kicked off last night. The Browns defeating the Steelers 29-17. On Sunday, the Jets will welcome in the Bengals. The Giants host the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. Amy?
2: All right, thank you, Scott. Checking futures, they're lower. S&P futures down 26. Dow futures down 182 points. NASDAQ futures down 100 points. The 10-year Treasury unchanged the yield at 3.71%. Much more to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. A look at markets and risk of recession. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny and breezy today. We're going up to 65 degrees, plenty of sunshine tomorrow, going up to 75, and then 80 degrees with partial sun on Sunday.
5: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a
1: Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks and futures are extending declines at the end of a week that has underscored expectations for tighter monetary policy and a slowing global economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 25 points. Dow futures down 184. NASDAQ futures down 95 points. The stock 600 in Europe is poised for a bear market down 1.2%. The DAX in Germany down 1%. The CAC in Paris down 9 tenths percent. The FTSE in London is down 1.3%. Ten-year Treasury right now, little changed at 3.71% for the 10-year yield. The yield on the two-year, 4.15%. NYMEX crude is down 2% or 67 at 8 80- a barrel. Comex Gold down 7 tenths percent or $11.40 at $16.69.70 an ounce. The Euro, 0.9759 against the dollar. British Pound, 1.1187. The Yen is at 142.91. Bitcoin down 7 tenths percent at $19,100. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The special master in the case of document
3: seized from Donald Trump's Florida home says the former president's lawyers have to state in a court filing whether they believe the FBI lied about the items. Judge Raymond Deary told Trump's legal team that they have until September 30th. Residents in occupied parts of Ukraine begin voting today in a Russian-run referendum. On joining Russia, the vote has been widely condemned as a sham. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 5-4, clinching a playoff berth. He came close, but Aaron Judge fell short of tying Roger Maris's AL record. Of 61 home runs, the Orioles and Giants won, the A's lost. Thursday night football, the Browns beat the Steelers 29-17. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr and this, is Bloomberg. Amy.
2: All right, thank you, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Stocks and U.S. equity futures extended their declines at the end of a week, underscoring expectations for tighter monetary policy and a slowing global economy. We're joined now by global market strategist Ben Laidler with eToro. And, Ben, I was looking at your Twitter feed. You tweeted that report that said not all recessions are equal. Hawkish Fed making U.S. recession inevitable. So what should we expect?
7: Well, unfortunately, at this point, I think a U.S. recession is pretty much inevitable. Um, and the R word is the scariest word in finance. But, you know, not all recessions are created equal. And, you know, if there is a silver lining here, it's that I think the recession that is coming in the U.S. is going to be a sort of plain vanilla um, one driven by just the Fed hiking interest rates, you know, without the shocks of COVID, without the sort of systemic collapse like we saw in the global financial crisis. We're just not seeing, you know, imbalances like that. So the silver lining is I think this will be a relatively mild uh, recession. It'll be painful, but I don't think it's uninvestable. Um, and I think we've, you know, the other silver lining here is I think markets have priced a lot in. I think we've, we're through the peak in inflation, I think this week we've priced in, hopefully, the peak in interest rate expectations. Um, recession worries obviously going through the roof. So I think we're pricing that in. And investor sentiment, you know, is already terrible. So I guess that's my sort of glass half full view of the world of what is, has been a pretty brutal few weeks.
2: What's driving all of this? What's driving the moves mainly?
7: Um, I mean, what's driving it is just inflation is high and sticky, and the Fed is responding to that. And Jay Powell is channeling his um, channeling Volca, and he's responding to that, and he's basically saying he's not going to let up until the job is done. Um, you know, That's what's been – I mean, we're now pricing in 4.5% as the peak Fed funds rate for early next year. That's clearly – quite a long way from where we are right now. That's what's been driving the latest move down. That's why we're getting pretty close to retesting the June lows on on, on the S&P 500. Um, I would just say, you know, let's look out for the sort of next catalyst here, I mean, which is third quarter earnings, which are coming up in a couple of weeks. And let's just not forget, it was less bad second quarter earnings that helped drive that June rally. And I think we're being set up for something similar going into third quarter earnings season.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about. Inflationary pressures, would they wind up easing and how long that might take?
7: Uh, I think it's going to take some time. Uh, If we look at inflation around the world, the problem the U.S. has is that it's driven by a lot of these sort of stickier areas, like wages, like housing. So I think it's going to take some time to come down. But, you know, markets are always forward looking. And, um, you know, we've priced. A lot of bad news in here. I think we're beginning to see the top of the sort of interest rate cycle early next year. And I think the sort of closer we get to that and the more uh, these sort of lead inflation indicators, whether it be commodity prices or just the weakening economy, begin to sort of cool off a little bit. I think um, I think the bull case is that markets begin to sort of sniff out um, the sort of top of the interest rate cycle and begin to sort of price that in.
2: I wanna throw you a bit of a little curveball if I could. You were talking about how this could be a mild investable, a your word, a vanilla recession. But I wanna ask about consumer sentiment. Wouldn't that depend on how consumers respond to it? If consumer sentiment then drops because of its it's a recession, is there a risk this could wind up feeding on itself?
7: Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a risk this sort of becomes a sort of self fulfilling prophecy. I guess the you know the the, the the big picture view is if you look at those uninvestable recessions, you know, the, the ones where earnings fall, you know, 30%, 40% and markets do something similar. Uh, you see households which, you know, are carrying huge amounts of debt. You see very weak labor markets. You see companies carrying too much debt or not being very profitable. You, you know, your banks, which aren't well capitalized. None of those things apply here. So, absolutely, the consumer is going to soften and probably does need to soften uh, for inflation to come down a bit. But I think um, – Again, that, that I think, is a relatively mild recession compared to some of those big, uninvestable recessions we've seen, you know, as recently as as 2020 or um, or, or, or 2008.
2: And we've got about 30 seconds here. I just want to know what you're going to be watching for in the coming quarter.
7: Uh, I, I think the two keys are inflation. You know, I think we've seen the peak. We need to see it keep drifting down to take that pressure off those forward interest rates. And as I say, Third quarter earnings season, which starts in, in, in a couple of weeks, um, looking for a sort of less bad uh, earnings season to drive um, to drive a little bit of relief, similar to what we saw in second quarter.
2: All right. Thank you, Ben, so much for taking the time with us on this Friday morning. Global market strategist Ben Laidler is with eToro. Checking the markets now. Futures are lower. S&P down 27 points. Dow futures down 188. NASDAQ futures down 101 points. Ten-year treasury unchanged to yield at 3.71%. Much more to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny and breezy today. We're going up to 65 degrees, only going up to 70 degrees tomorrow, but plenty of sunshine. And a chance of rain on Sunday going up to 75. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. I'm Nathan Hager. We're about
1: four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. The S&P 500 is on track for a second straight weekly loss. Yesterday, the index closed at its lowest level since June as higher interest rates continue to hit sentiment. Jess Menton covers equities for Bloomberg News.
0: Technology sector looking at discretionary shares, also industrial companies really coming under pressure following what happened with that sell-off after the Fed's move. but also more globally. This isn't even just the Fed. Investors are really trying to digest what's happening because it's been over 500 basis point move by global central banks right now, getting aggressive to tackle what's happening with inflation and traders really trying to reprice.
1: Bloomberg's Jeff Smitten says it looks like investors aren't expecting the Fed to cut rates till sometime next year.
0: And there could be
2: more pain ahead when Wall Street firm says the selling is not over. Goldman Sachs is slashing its year-end target for the S&P 500 to 3,600. That's down from 4,300.
1: Now, with that in mind, Amy, cash is king. Bank of America strategists say investors are flocking to cash as they turn the most pessimistic since the global financial crisis. Jennifer Lee, senior economist with BMO Capital Markets, says firms like hers are lowering growth forecasts, but she says there's still strength in the labor
0: market. We've actually been lowering our growth forecast steadily, like everyone else, and we've actually got euro growth now for 2023. Uh, we still have only one quarter of negative growth. I guess the big difference here in terms of recession is the labor market. You know, Anyone who has multiple job offers out there,
7: you know, take one because it's not going to last. This is all part and parcel with what happens when there's a central bank who is aggressively tightening. You're going to see that slower growth. You're going to see it hit consumer spending, and you're going to see the jobless rate
2: tick higher.
1: Jennifer Lee with BMO Capital Markets says she expects unemployment to continue to rise in the coming months.
2: Stocks in Europe and Asia are lower this morning, so is oil. Crude is on track for a fourth weekly decline and could record its first quarterly loss in more than two years.
1: Turning to corporate news now, FedEx is making cuts. The shipping company is slashing flights, deferring projects, and closing offices to increase savings. That comes after last week's announcement that FedEx would miss earnings forecasts.
2: And Hong Kong is announcing plans to cut COVID restrictions, scrapping hotel quarantines for inbound travelers starting Monday. Those flying to the city will no longer need to take a PCR test before departure. Instead, a rapid test will do. However, they still need to take a PCR test upon arrival in Hong Kong. It's a sign that more easing of COVID restrictions could soon come to the city.
1: Now, right, let's get to these latest red numbers. Amy, s p futures are down 31 points. Dow futures down 219. NASDAQ futures down 115 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 430 seconds, yield 3.73 percent, yield on the two-year 4.16. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg.
2: Thank you, Nathan. 533 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael.
3: Good morning, Amy. Health officials suspect five people have died in a Manhattan nursing home of Legionnaire's disease. The outbreak over the past year took place at the Amsterdam nursing home in Morningside Heights. Four deaths have been confirmed, while a fifth is being investigated. Residents in Russian-occupied parts of Ukraine begin voting today in a referendum on joining Russia. The vote has been widely condemned as a sham. It comes as Vladimir Putin called up 300,000 reservists to fight the war. Former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine William Taylor says Putin is looking for a way to bolster
4: support for the war inside Russia. This is because Putin is losing support for this war that he wants to do some sleight of hand that says, well, actually, this is really Russia. So now it's really the, the Ukrainians and the West against us.
3: Former Ambassador Taylor spoke to ABC, a man charged with assault for allegedly slapping former New York Mayor Rudolf Giuliani on the back and using a derogatory term, filed a notice of claim against the city for $2 million for false arrest. Daniel Gill was seen on a video in June touching Giuliani on the back with an open hand while Giuliani was at a Staten Island ShopRite supermarket supporting his son Andrew's campaign for New York governor. According to the notice of claim, Gill was jailed for more than 24 hours and lost his job at the market. Hurricane Fiona is pounding Bermuda with heavy rain and winds as it sweeps by the island. Forecasters say it is still on track to approach northeastern Canada as a still powerful storm late today. A new poll shows despite his legal issues, support for former President Trump remains unmoved. According to a New York Times-Siena College survey, about 44 percent of voters viewed Trump favorably, about the same as an earlier poll in the summer. Meanwhile, Republican strategist Doug High discussed the release of the House Republicans' commitment to America agenda ahead of the midterm elections.
9: I think Republicans have opportunities here to define themselves on three issues even further, inflation. Uh, crime and the border, and if if we're if the conversations on those three issues, even if Republicans don't have a fully fleshed out plan on inflation, they don't, and neither does the White House. Then if, if that's what we're talking
3: about, Republicans are going to do well. GOP strategist Doug High spoke on Sound On which airs at 5 p.m. on Bloomberg Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Amy.
2: All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 5.36 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here, Scott Seidenberg.
4: Good morning, Amy. Some excitement in the Bronx last night as fans thought Aaron Judge had home run number 61. Although it felt shy being caught at the wall, the Yankees would go on to win in 10 innings over the Red Sox 5-4 thanks to Josh Donaldson's fourth walk-off hit of the season. Here was Aaron Judge after the game.
5: Well, I was hoping maybe it was blowing out in the time I was hitting, but, you know, just missed it, but it lined up for a nice little J.D. walk-off, that's for sure.
4: It was the 16th walk-off win for the Yankees this season, one shy of the most in a single season in franchise history. Tonight, Judge will get another crack at number 61 when the Yankees and Red Sox face off again. Garrett Cole gets the start. Rich Hill for the Red Sox. NBA news. The Boston Celtics have suspended head coach Ime Udoka for the upcoming season. The team citing violations of team policies in its announcement. Assistant coach Joe Missoula takes over in the interim. Week three of the NFL kicked off last night. The Browns defeating the Steelers 29-17. On Sunday, the Jets will welcome in the Bengals. The Giants host the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. Amy?
2: All right. Thank you, Scott. 537 now on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here with that is Bloomberg's Ed Corey.
10: In a letter to BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, New York City's comptroller says he's reassessing the Big Apple's business with the asset management company. The reason? Brad Lander claims BlackRock abdicates responsibility in not pushing corporations to do more to fight global warming. Women who work for the New York City government see an even bigger gender pay gap than the average worker in the state. A report from the New York City Council says female municipal employees make about 73 cents for every dollar paid to male workers. Beginning October 3rd, Newark's Liberty International Airport will no longer be considered a New York City airport by the IATA. Airlines will not be required to give passengers options to her. From the other two New York airports, currently many airlines offer passengers the option to change flights within a city code without a penalty. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey.
2: Thank you, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world.
8: I'm Steve Potusk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about a top Fox Entertainment executive
3: jumping to Roku. I'm Courtney Donahoe on WHAS in Louisville.
2: FedEx is cutting flights and deferring projects to save money. I'm Gina Servetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that the city comes in 12th on a list of the world's top 20 financial centers.
1: I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio
4: in London. We've been reporting on massive tax cuts being announced by the UK's New. Chancellor Quasi
10: I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting Michigan's first self-pour tap room opens next month in Royal Oak.
2: Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street.
5: The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by
9: the Bloomberg Editorial Board. The campaign by several Republican governors to transport asylum seekers to Democratic-controlled areas such as Washington, D.C., has been a national embarrassment. Whatever point Republicans may have had about migration, they have forfeited their moral authority by treating vulnerable people as props. But while President Biden has rightly denounced the relocation stunts, his administration and the Democratic-controlled Congress should do more to fix the underlying problem. They can start by boosting support for the Federal Emergency Management Agency's Migrant Assistance Program and fixing the nation's perennially underfunded immigration courts. Biden might not want to call attention to the issue in an election year, but it's his responsibility to work to fix it. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg editorial board. For more Bloomberg opinion, please go to bloomberg.com/opinion or opin go on
5: the Bloomberg terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion.
2: Bloomberg opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time, and terminal customers can read more at opin go. Futures are lower. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny and breezy today, only going up to 65 and then 70 degrees tomorrow with plenty of sunshine. Could see some rain on Sunday going up to 75 degrees.
5: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Tape. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: I'm Nathan Hager, the dash to cash continues this morning with futures and stocks extending declines at the end of the week, underscoring expectations for tighter monetary policy and a slowing global economy. Bloomberg dollar index has risen to another record. Ten-year treasury yields are holding near their highest level in a decade. We check the markets. Every fifteen minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg, right now, S and P futures are extending their declines, down thirty-five points. Dow futures down two hundred fifty-two. Nasdaq futures down one point one percent, a drop of one hundred twenty-nine points. The Dax in Germany is down one and a third percent. Cac in Paris now down one point one percent. The ten-year Treasury is down eleven thirty seconds. The yield three point seven six percent. Yield on the two-year now just shy of four point two one. Nymex crude down two point one percent, or a dollar seventy-five at eighty-one dollars. Seventy-three cents a barrel. Comex gold is down nine tenths percent, or fifteen dollars sixty cents. It's sixteen sixty-five thirty an ounce. The euro point nine seven four four against the dollar. The British pound one point one zero nine eight. The yen is at one forty-three point one nine. And Bitcoin right around nineteen thousand dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with what else is going on around the world. Michael?
3: Thank you very much, Nathan. In Russia, traffic is jammed at border crossings and crowds are packed at airports. Most of those trying to get out are young men of military age fleeing Vladimir Putin's draft. After he called up 300,000 reservists for the war in Ukraine, protests were also taking place in the streets. In the NBA, the Boston Celtics suspended head coach Ime Yudoka for a year for violating team policies. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 5-4, clinching a playoff berth. It hit the warning track, but Aaron Judge fell short of tying Roger Maris's AL record, 61 home runs, The Orioles and Giants won. The A's lost. Thursday night football, the Browns beat the Steelers 29-17. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts
2: in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr and this is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. The Federal Reserve's more hawkish stance reflects more tightening to come. We get market reaction now. We turn to global market strategist Brian Levitt at Invesco. Brian, good morning. Thank you for taking the time with us today. So what is next for markets after this Fed decision? What's your takeaway?
11: I think we have to be realistic about the near term. We we have challenges now, just because we're just because of these challenges, I still think we want to be have more optimism over an intermediate term, call it six months to two years. What we need to see here is for inflation to come down more rapidly in the Federal Reserve to be able to provide more clarity on what the terminal rate is going to be for the Fed funds rate until we get there. We should expect volatility in markets. Policy uncertainty creates market volatility. Um, and we should expect, um, some pressure on equities, um, because the Fed is tightening to a weak, weakening economic environment. And, you know, that starts to create some, some, um, res- a likely recessionary output, um, outcome. So it's a challenge. Um, we'll get through it, but, but it's certainly a challenge in the near term.
2: Now, you called this. You anticipated the stricter policy stance from the Fed after the latest CPI report. So what do you anticipate comes next? How much tighter can they go?
11: You mean, at some point, um, you know, they're going to tighten the Fed funds rate to above where the core personal consumption expenditure is on a year-over-year basis. Um, I know a lot of people look at core CPI. But the core PCE is is already in the mid fours on a year-over-year basis. So, you know, the market's pricing in a terminal rate of call it four six. Um, so we're getting there to pricing it in. And, and my expectation is inflation will start to come down. You see it in the bond market. I mean, the break evens, um, the tips break even. So the bond market's expectation for inflation are all in the two percent range across maturities. So Look, it's a process. This is a unique pandemic cycle. Too much stimulus has now led to to too much tightening. Um, You know, it it tends to bring forward recessions, ends of cycles, unfortunately. Um, But there will be another side to this.
2: We got word this morning Goldman slashing its year-end target for the S&P, to 3,600 from 4,300. And they're blaming the Fed rate trajectory. But I wonder if you agree with that.
11: Well, we're almost there, right? I mean, if you look at the S&P, we're in the 3,700 range. Um, I think 3,600 is a reasonable one. You know, if you, if you consider that earnings are still climbing, peak earnings are likely to be around 220. In a recession, they tend to fall about 20%. So that would take you to around 180 on earnings. Um, and then what multiple are you willing to pay for that? Um, when interest rates are going up, there's pressure on multiples. If – if the economy starts to slow more meaningfully, which we suspect it will, rates will start to come down um, and multiples can start to come up. So you think around 180 um, with a 20 multiple, then you're looking at 3,600. Of course, if rates stay – if inflation stays elevated and rates stay higher, then I think that multiple goes down. So that's the challenge right now in trying to consider a bottom, But, but I do understand that 3,600 number. Um, and, and quite frankly, we're, we're we're moving closer to that. I think quicker than people had expected.
2: All right, Brian. Thank you so much for taking the time with us on this Friday morning. Brian Levitt, global market strategist at Invesco. Nathan.
1: All right, Amy, thank you. It's 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning. Here's Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger.
8: Bloomberg Law reports the compromise deal that averted a nationwide rail strike includes a concession allowing unpaid but job protected medical leave. Washington, D.C. is suing Liberty Tax. The district accuses the tax prep service of misleading low income taxpayers with deceptive offers. A federal trial court barred Rhode Island from operating a unique bridge tolling system that would have targeted large commercial trucks registered in other states. Bloomberg Law,
5: everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com.
1: Now, another legal story we're watching. The Justice Department's won a critical battle in its dispute. Over about 100 documents with classified markings seized from former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, one of the most conservative appellate courts in the country, put a Florida federal judge's order on hold, ordering that the Justice Department can use the materials in its ongoing criminal investigation into whether Trump mishandled sensitive government records after he left office. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks with national security law experts. Bradley Moss, a partner at Mark Aid.
0: Explain why did this three-judge appeals court panel with two judges nominated by Trump intervene here?
6: This was the 11th Circuit bringing everyone back to reality on what the case law actually says and how this is actually supposed to work. Namely, this was a civil litigant, Mr. Trump, who is now a private citizen, suing to try to regain access to and control over records that had been seized from him by the FBI pursuant to a search warrant. And in the particular context of this appeal, it concerned 100 documents with classification markings. At no point in the lower court litigation had he ever provided any evidence that the documents were not classified, that he had declassified them, or that the markings were not valid. The burden was on him. And all of the case law that applies in this context, most of which has been dealt with in the context of either Freedom of Information Act or First Amendment litigation for manuscripts of former employees, always makes clear that the burden to gain access to documentation that the government still thinks is classified, that burden is going to be on the plaintiff to disprove, essentially, that the classification is valid. And Mr. Trump had never done anything to create a genuine issue of material dispute on that front. That's why the circuit intervened.
0: Did you see a rebuke to Trump here? The panel said, quote, for our part, we cannot discern why the plaintiff would have an individual interest in or need for any of the 100 documents with classification markings.
6: I saw it as more of a very polite and professional rebuke to Judge Cannon more so than to Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump is trying to put forth whatever arguments he can, which is what civil litigant does in this context trying to create a material controversy in order to try to delay and gain access to the records the judge, Judge Cannon should have known better and that's what the 11th Circuit I think was really focusing on, was more of a response of what were you thinking here there's no possible basis in law for him to have a possessory interest in these documents
1: and that's Bradley Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. And attorneys can find exceptional bu- uh, legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at B law, go. S&P futures now down 31 points. Dow futures down 227. NASDAQ futures are lower by 114 points. Germany's DAX down 1.3%. The CAC in Paris is down 1.1. The FTSE in London down 1.6%. The ten-year Treasury is down nine thirty seconds, yield three point seven five percent, yield on the two-year four point one nine. Nymex crude down two point one percent or a dollar seventy-five at eighty-one dollars seventy-six cents a barrel. Comex gold is down eight tenths percent at sixteen sixty-six seventy. announced the euro 0.758 against the dollar, British pound one point one one two six. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg.